Hello, Duck fans! Welcome back to another episode, the Friday edition of the show. We did have to take a couple days off. I'm still getting organized around the house with the kids' school schedule. I really appreciate your patience, and uh, as we go forward, I do like to start out by thanking the frontline workers out there, putting their lives on the line, keeping the economy open, keeping the stores open and the shelves stocked, as well as those in the hospitals and care centers taking care of the sick and dying. Really appreciate you. I also really appreciate you listeners taking the time to tune in. I know that it is a busy and crazy time, but your support is much appreciated, and I really enjoy doing it. I'm fortunate to be able to work from home during this time. On today's show, we're going to be talking about women's basketball recruit prospects, and there are five five-star prospects. Now, shout out to George Christopher, at Scout 73 on Twitter, for taking the time to point out an erroneous statement I made on the last show where I said they had three five-star prospects. It is it is five-star five prospects. We're going to get into that on today's show. We're also going to talk about uh, the number six overall pick going to Justin Herbert, who is now a Los Angeles Charger as of last night's first round of the 2020 NFL Draft. We're going to talk about that. Next week, we have McCormick Mondays. We're going to be doing a draft recap of uh, the rest of the draft. I'm very excited about the Ducks that'll be going there. Also next week, we're going to be joined by sports writer James Voss, who's uh, doing some really great work on position groups. And I'm going to send you over to his blog to do some reading. And he's going to come onto the show and we're going to be breaking down some of the position groups of this great Oregon Ducks football team. Next week, we're also going to be trying to get some locked on hosts from the national shows for those shows that drafted Ducks to go into a bit more detail on those players. But for now, let me go ahead and flip the switch and get going. You have too much to give to stay silent. That's what he said. That's what he believed. That's what he lived. The American in front, almost a cult in the United States. He's a sort of athletic beetle. Now wait a minute. It's official. Oregon is going to be in the BCS championship game. Welcome to Locked on Ducks, your source for daily info updates and analysis on your Oregon Ducks. You can always follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Jordan Long. You can always find me on Twitter at The Dust Off Guy. And for those of you that don't do the Twitters, we do have a Facebook page, Locked on Ducks. Go ahead and give it a search. And if you do want to leave comments and questions to the show, you can do so on that Facebook page I just mentioned. Or you can go ahead and get on Twitter and use the hashtags AskLodPod. That's hashtags AskLodPod. And send in some questions and comments and things. We love to get the feedback. We love to discuss on the show. There's a lot going on right now in the world of sports. Very happy to be talking about it. Please do click subscribe or follow on whatever podcasting platform you listen to. Subscribe on Apple. Follow on Spotify. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and take a second to leave a five out of five stars review. Uh, if you don't think I deserve five stars, well, leave five anyway. And uh, go ahead and say in the uh, show review why you didn't want to leave five, and I'll go ahead and fix it for you. But for now, on to the action. So it, women's basketball is in pretty good shape after losing three of the best basketball players in the nation to the WNBA draft. Go ahead and tune into our last show where we got into the details about that. And there are five five-star recruits incoming to the 2020 class. Very excited about this. There's going to be no dip in performance. And in fact, I would not be surprised to see 
that the Oregon Ducks women's basketball team finishes first in the nation instead of second next year. But that's an early prediction. Right now, I do want to talk about those five incoming freshmen. They are all Jordan Brand Classic selections, and all five are McDonald All-Americans and are five-star recruits coming out of high school. They are all among the top 22 ESPN prospects in the country. And the first one I want to talk about is Angela Dugalich, a forward, six foot four from uh, De Plain, Illinois. She's the number 22nd overall prospect in the nation and the number six forward in the nation. She's very versatile and very athletic. She can block and she has superior shooting skills, very smooth in transition and very quick, easily creating mismatches. And in fact, it's this kind of presence at the rim that is going to be so key. Not only someone who's able to stretch the defense with great shooting from the mid-range and even the perimeter, but someone who can block and create additional opportunities for the rest of the squad. Uh, next up is guard Maddie Scher, uh, 5'11 from Florence, Kentucky. She went to Larry Ryle High School, the number 19 overall prospect in the nation and the number five guard in the nation. She's a great combo guard. She can do it all. She's not only a very efficient shooter, but she distributes the ball really well. In addition to rebounding, she plays this up-tempo game really well. And we're going to talk about that a little later because that's kind of a common theme among these recruits. She reads defenses really well and has the ability to create her own shots, but she's very unselfish with the ball. There's never going to be another Sabrina Ionescu, but clearly this is the kind of player who could be extremely successful on their own shooting and getting rebounds and putting it back up. But with her ability to read defenses, she's going to be able to help this team continue to excel in the assist to turnover ratio that really was one of the key factors in the Oregon Ducks women's basketball success last year. And it's that kind of smarts that kind of unselfish behavior with the ball that really is going to bode well for the squad going forward. Now, next up is Kylie Watson, a six foot three forward from Linwood, New Jersey. She went to Mainland High School and she is the number 17 recruit in the country right now and the number three forward in the country. Very bullish in the key. Has a lunch pail work ethic that it just brings this aggression and this attitude to the floor where you're fighting for rebounds. Um, she excels at initiating fast breaks off the glass and really complements, again, that up-tempo play style that Coach Graves has used to devastating effect in the league right now. Next is Tahina Pow from uh, Oceanside, California. She's a five foot nine point guard. Went to La Jolla Country Day School. She's the number 11 prospect in the country at number four at the point guard position. And this is a true number one guard potential. She's has the leadership, the smarts, very high basketball IQ. She's explosive off the dribble. She finishes plays, doesn't mind the contact and handles it really well, has huge range and can effectively play that half court game. The only concern here, she had two torn ACLs as a freshman in high school, but those have fully healed and there hasn't been any issues with them. And she's this top, top prospector in his senior year. 
Last, Sydney Parrish, six-foot guard from Fishers, Indiana. I went to Hamilton Southeastern High School, number eight overall recruit in the country, number two guard in the country, and another high IQ player with excellent backcourt skills. She manufactures shots, finishes them, and has great range as well. She reads and exploits defenses and has strong rebounding skills. One of the things that I was so impressed with this last season and will continue to, to be so with, with this group is that they have these guards who are just awesome at rebounding. So they have the opportunities to get the ball back and create those turnovers. One of the things that allowed them to be one of the top scoring ball clubs in the nation. Uh, this team plays with flair and offensive efficiency is key. Now, the Ducks are a national brand at this point. As if they weren't to begin with, uh, three first-round draft picks in the WNBA. I mean, the way that they're able to attract these top recruits is is phenomenal. I think the the, the recruits have family or friends that they know that what, that they can watch them. That when they play for Oregon, the major networks are going to be carrying the Duck games, or at least enough of them that their friends and family will be able to tune in and watch. And I think that's a huge factor here now. The recruiting game was was strong, doggone strong before this. But uh, going forward, I think that Oregon Ducks women basketball is going to be around for a very long time and going to be a top contender, uh, a, a powerhouse in women's basketball. Very excited about it. Right now, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Justin Herbert getting drafted number six to the Chargers. Welcome back to Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Jordan Long. We just finished talking about five five-star recruits to the Oregon women's Ducks basketball team. And now we're going to be talking about Justin Herbert with a sixth overall pick, the Los Angeles Chargers pick, quarterback Justin Herbert from Oregon. Now, Miami ended up taking Tua Tungavailoa at number five. And of course, Joe Burrow went first overall. Those were not too surprising. But Justin Herbert, just to revisit some of his characteristics and why he's going to be a good fit for the Chargers, he got this big, very solid, tight end build, right? Six foot six, 237, 236 pounds. And I, I've read him described as this perfect foundational piece that when, when you stand next to him, he has the, the presence and, and the build of someone who could be a foundation for a program moving forward. And I think the Chargers are just the right program for him. Uh, on a conference call with reporters, Justin said that this is such an incredible opportunity. Words can't even describe how excited and thrilled and fired up he is for the opportunity. He says he's going to do everything he can to be the best quarterback that he can be and everything he can for the city of Los Angeles. Uh, we're going to get more into what it means to be the best quarterback that he can be here in a minute. Now, the Chargers, for the lack of championships that they have had, have had decent luck with quarterbacks. Since 2001, they have had the fewest number of starting quarterbacks of any team in the NFL. Their starters since 2001 have been Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees, and Doug Flutie. So they, I think they know how to choose wisely. I think they know how to create an offense that works with their quarterback and in this case they've got a quarterback who's going to work really well with the offense that they've already created and I think the best is yet to come for the Los Angeles Chargers based on this pick. Now the Chargers are in a really interesting place. They have 
new uniforms that were just released. I think they're pretty cool looking. They got a, a new stadium to play in, and now they have a new franchise quarterback. But they aren't the most popular team in L.A. In fact, neither are the Los Angeles Rams, even with their success. I don't think the Rams have a lot of what it's going to take to get back on top like they were a couple years ago. I think they overspent in order to get to the Super Bowl, and now that they blew their wad, so to speak, they are going through going to have to go through a necessarily a period of rebuild. And the Chargers, now in order to win over that city, it's not going to be enough to have new uniforms, new stadium, new quarterback, but with with uh, uh, the w kind of wins they're going to get this season, I think that they are built to compete and Justin Herbert's going to help them do that. There are some nasty rumors out there and nasty criticisms about Justin Herbert. In fact, Brian Baldinger recently said that uh, the reason why teams were going to be looking at Tua Tungavailoa over Herbert is because Herbert lacked the deep ball and lacked accuracy. And I think it's just wor worth noting that on go routes, uh, you know, vertical deep deep routes, he has 15 touchdowns with no interceptions and a 67% completion rate. Not only do the numbers bear out his deep ball accuracy and ability to throw the, the deep ball well, but we saw him throw from a standstill without uh, stepping into it uh, 62 yards, and that is phenomenal. That's one of the, the highest ever recorded in the modern era. But I think it's fair to acknowledge that the criticism about the deep ball may come from the style of offense that Oregon has run. Under Mario Cristobal, there hasn't been a lot of go routes, deep routes, and opportunities to show off that arm strength. When it has happened, he has performed phenomenally. And I think that showed at the Senior Bowl, that showed in the Rose Bowl, it showed on Combine Day, and we're going to talk in a moment about why that's such a good fit for the Chargers, but it really is time to put to rest any criticisms of deep ball or deep ball accuracy. He's also had 42 starts in his career, which is tied for second in the FBS, and he's healthy, consistent, not injury prone. He's, you know, the Chargers had some lot of years with Phillip Rivers where they could count on him showing up every day, being ready to play. There, there aren't these, you know, injury concerns that you have with Tua Tungavaloa, and I think that in that sense is a really good pick as well. Herbert's also got over four-point GPA and a 39 Wonderlick score. And 39 was the second highest behind Nate Stanley, a quarterback from Iowa, at this, this year's combine. Tua scored a 19, and Joe Burrow scored a 34. And I always tell you how much I like the smart ones, but it's worth noting that Herbert also won the Campbell Trophy, which is essentially the academic Heisman. Now, I know what everybody's thinking out there. Well, Jordan, does the Wonderlick even matter? And most people do say not really. In fact, Sports Illustrated's uh, Edward, Edward Krupit said that it's an outdated way of measuring intelligence for predicting performance on the field, which in a lot of sense is true. But I think it's really important to acknowledge what a bright, smart, high IQ individual Justin Herbert is. But even with outliers, like I recently uh, came out, we talked about Lamar Jackson's now infamous 13 Wonderlick score. Studies on the Wonderlick performance as it relates to passer rating have shown that in order to be successful, 
QBs need a score of at least 25 on the Wonderlic. And once a score of 25, once they have a score of over 25, the rate of success that is per passer rating is pretty consistently good. Now, like I said, Lamar Jackson's 13 is kind of an outlier, but it's important to realize that success, success rates among quarterbacks with Wonderlic scores higher than 25 is a consistent showing in these studies. Does that mean as a single t statistic that Justin Herbert's going to be successful? No, but in the same way that does you know having tiny little hands mean that Joe Burrow's going to be a bad quarterback? No, not necessarily. But it's definitely something that uh, just yet another thing in Justin Herbert's favor. We're going to talk about why the smarts is so important, but let's talk about what this all means for Los Angeles. Justin brings the deep ball, this cannon arm and accuracy. In fact, there are several reports of receivers going through gloves, uh, Oregon receivers going through gloves, because catching passes from Herbert, the velocity of the ball was tearing and wearing through their gloves uh, rather quickly. And in fact, complaints that their hands would be sore after catching balls from him. In fact, they'd turn up the power on the jugs machine to try and simulate Justin's velocity so that when they, when they were practicing without him, they could stay used to catching that kind of uh, powerful pass. And uh, players were all talked about how that if you caught a pass with your eyes closed, you would always be able to tell if it was Justin Herbert. Now, this isn't gonna, a knock on, on Tyler Shuck. In fact, really looking forward to talking quarterbacks with James Voss next week. Very excited about that. But uh, the point is, is that Justin Herbert is strong. His spirals are tight. The ball comes quick and it comes right on point. We're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to finish up talking about Justin Herbert and why he's a good fit for the Los Angeles Chargers. Hopefully, we get to revisit this again with Locked On Chargers uh, sometime next week. A lot of good information from our, our boys from Oregon here, uh, but uh, we'll talk to you in just a second. Welcome back to Locked On Ducks. My name is Jordan Long, your host, and we are talking Justin Herbert, the newest addition to the Los Angeles Chargers. So... We were talking about how smart he is and how powerful he is. And we also should mention that he was the most uh, productive and prolific passer in his class. In his four years at Oregon, he had 10,540 yards and a 64% completion rating, 95 touchdowns and 23 interceptions. The number of yards, I mean, he is the most productive passer. For Just for comparison now, Joe, Joe Burrow in his career had uh, 8,850 passes, 68% completion rating, which is, is very good. 78 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Tungavailoa, for his part, had only 7,442 yards, 69%, 87 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. So Justin Herbert, definitely the most productive passer in this class and has shown his ability to excel not only over time, but improve over time. We On another show, we talked about how he has gotten better at everything that might have come up as criticism over the years and has readily addressed any and all criticisms by performing, you know, and actions speak louder than words kind of thing. He's, Justin Herbert is, has a better deep ball. He's more accurate than Phillip Rivers. And Justin Herbert has speed that's going to make plays that Phillip Rivers wasn't able to, to make because he just didn't have the same kind of speed and athleticism that Justin Herbert has. Now, Justin Herbert is not a self-described dual-threat quarterback, 
but I think that's largely due to the way that Oregon ran him, ran him, so to speak, uh, during his career there. But he has shown, especially in the Rose Bowl and during the All-Star game, that he had the capacity to score, not only score touchdowns with his legs, but keep plays alive, keep on the move, and be able to shake tacklers and uh, roll out and make plays. He's just as smart as Phillip Rivers, smarter even if, if we go by the numbers. His football career will bear out just how his football IQ develops over time. Uh, but I think that he's got a much higher ceiling than Phillip Rivers. Now, there are weapons already in Los Angeles ready for Justin Herbert to play with. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler. The Los Angeles Chargers have set, them, set, set themselves up for success with a, a set of weapons at, at skill positions that will be around for a little while, be able to develop with their new franchise quarterback. And they do have a veteran starter in Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor started for three of the nine years that he's been in, in the league, and he's been around long enough and played for such a variety of teams that this is an ideal situation for tutelage. It's reminiscent a bit of, I guess, you know, the Green Bay Packers are getting a little heat for picking Jordan Love, but they want to create a situation where a new, talented, skilled, but raw quarterback can come up under a veteran. Now, Tyrod Taylor is obviously no Aaron Rodgers, but the point is that Tyrod Taylor has been in enough systems and been around long enough that he is going to have a wealth of knowledge to pass on to uh, relatively, relatively young Justin Herbert. Justin's quiet demeanor, something that he's often criticized for, which it, I just hate that criticism. You know, there are plenty of quiet quarterbacks out there. Look at, you know, Marcus Mariota and whatnot. We talked about that in our uh, Raiders special a couple weeks ago. But his quiet demeanor is indicative of the fact that he's not only smart enough to know when to speak up, he's smart enough to know when to listen. And I think that's very important here. His academic chops, and we talked about Wonderlick scores, we talked about the Campbell Trophy, we talked about his GPA. His, his academic chops make him an excellent student of the game. So not only do we have... Uh, veteran that's been around long enough to have seen seen most of it and if not seen it all you have someone in Justin Herbert who is a phenomenal student and knows how to listen and in fact he said that the the best quarterback he can be means not only if he has the opportunity to start on day one he's going to be the best quarterback that he can be but he also pointed out that if he works behind a Tyrod Taylor, then being the best quarterback he can be means listening and learning and doing the best that he can to support the organization and grow into the best quarterback possible. And I just think that bodes really well for the Los Angeles Chargers. And I think it also bodes really well for Justin Herbert's career. Um, one of the areas where I do have some concern is the Chargers offensive line. In fact, according to Pro Football Focus, the Chargers finished last season with their offensive line ranking 29th out of 32 teams. Pretty bad performance uh, and not boding well for the kind of protection that Justin Herbert's going to need. So on the one hand, I think this, if they, if they plan on playing Tyrod Taylor for a year and he can stay healthy, Justin Herbert 
will not only learn a lot, but it gives the Chargers an opportunity to improve the, their offensive line play for when Justin Herbert does start. But if Justin Herbert ends up starting over Tyrod Taylor or Tyrod Taylor gets injured and, and Justin Herbert has to start, then I'm going to be hopping on what listeners know is, is a well-known soapbox of mine that you, you can't have a successful franchise quarterback coming out of the draft, a rookie quarterback, be successful if you have piss-poor offensive line play. You have to protect him. You have to keep him upright. If he's running for his life all the time, he's not going to be able to have the kind of development that you want in a starting quarterback. So it's going to be there. It is a bit of a mixed bag from that perspective. And I just hope that they can make some moves in, in the later rounds of the draft as it goes on this weekend, maybe make some trades. Uh, perhaps eventually they'll figure out how to do better than I think in the last 10 years, the highest their offensive line is ranked. Uh, according to PFF is 18th. So they're going to have to improve in that area quite a bit if they're going to be protecting our man from Oregon, Justin Herbert. But provided they do keep him safe, Justin Herbert, as we talked about, his vertical passing game is strong. And a team that can run the football is definitely going to complement his game. The Chargers coach, Anthony Lynn, in fact, is part of the Shanahan coaching tree. And so we can kind of think of this as a Shanahan-style offense. And I think that Justin Herbert is a perfect fit for it. They like a, a QB who can roll out of the pocket in order to make deep vertical passes. And we talked about how Justin Herbert excels at that. And he has the foot speed, the athleticism, and the size and strength to be able to hold his own when rolling out of the pocket. And the the Shanahan offense and, and what I think Anthony Lynn is trying to do is is based on run plays that set up play action with these outside zone runs, allowing... Uh, uh, Herbert to roll out in the opposite direction and, and hit that deep ball. So it's it's perfect for an athletic, dual-threat style quarterback. And uh, I still maintain that Justin Herbert's floor is Ryan Tannehill and his ceiling is Carson Wentz. So that's going to do it for today, folks. We did talk a lot about Justin Herbert going to the Chargers. Really enjoy that. Um, we're going to be watching his career closely. And we did talk about five five-star recruits from uh, all around the country joining the Oregon Ducks women's basketball team, ensuring continued success. We're going to be getting into not only the recruiting class, but I really want to get into their starters. And as soon as draft season winds down, we're going to be paying a lot more attention to what uh, Oregon Ducks basketball is doing. But for now, it's time to wrap up and remind you to go ahead and click subscribe or follow on whatever plat platform you're listening to us on. And do go ahead and follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnDucks. You can always find me on Twitter at the Dust Off Guy. I'm your host, Jordan Long. And please, if you're using Apple Podcasts, rate the show five out of five stars. Click subscribe. If you do want to send in comments, questions, concerns, all that good stuff we love to talk about on the show, I like to think of it as the People's Podcast. You can always reach out to us at using the hashtags AskLodPod. That's hashtag AskLodPod. There's also a Facebook page. Uh, locked on ducks so you can reach out there and please continue to stay safe stay healthy and try as much as possible to stay happy really appreciate you listening love y'all out there have a great day and go ducks yeah.